Hey everybody, happy holidays. Welcome back to Radio Imbibe from Imbibe Magazine. I'm Paul Clark, Imbibe's Editor-in-Chief, and we are right in the middle of the holiday season. All across the country, bars have transformed into holiday-themed pop-ups or are decking out their menus with seasonal drinks. And many of us are at least one holiday party into the season with many more to come. Back in 2017, for our annual holiday drinks issue, Brooklyn bar owner and writer Sinjin Frizzell wrote an essay for our Quinch column that remains one of my favorite pieces we've ever run in that section. In that essay, Sinjin pulled back the curtains on the timeless winter tradition of flaming drinks. Fire never loses its capacity to fascinate us, especially as the darkness of winter sets in, and one of the best ways to spark excitement at a holiday gathering is to assemble everyone around while you set a bowl full of punch alight. For this episode, we're talking with Sinjin Frizzell about the fundamentals of flaming drinks and why they're endlessly appealing at the holidays. Before we get into that, I should note that this episode is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, celebrating 25 years and the folks that got them there. Head to titosvodka.com to learn more about the distillery's past, present, and future. Sinjin, welcome to Radio Imbibe. Oh, thanks, Paul. Great to be here. You know, I want to have you on to have you back on the podcast, actually, because I believe you were on our very first episode a couple of years ago. When I say that out loud, I can't really believe I've been doing this that long. But we have, you know, <laughs> since since the darkest days of COVID, we've been doing this. But right now, you know, we're heading into the holiday season. And five years ago, in, in 2017, you'd written a piece for Imbibe focusing on our enduring fascination with flaming drinks, especially as we get into winter in the holiday season. We've got that full essay on our website, but for those who haven't yet read it, please recap for us. Why do people still love, centuries later, flaming drinks, especially at this time of year? Well, yeah, that's the question that I kind of set out to answer with this piece. You know, I love uh, playing with fire, always have. Uh, since I was a little kid. And as I mentioned in the piece, I was an altar boy when I was nine years old and there forward. And um, my favorite part of the job was lighting the candles. Of course, it was the favorite part of every altar boy's uh, job. They gave you matches. They gave you a uh, candle lighter. You got to walk around the church and light all the candles. Yeah, it was always just kind of this magical moment to me. And then, of course, I lived in the 90s in New Orleans and was introduced to the Cafe Brulot at his as it's served at Antoine's and uh, Galatoire's and other old uh, restaurants in New Orleans. And wow, what a show that is. And uh, once you see the Cafe uh, Brulot in action, you never forget it and you kind of want to make it happen at home or in your own bar, as I did. So I started to do that. I started to, you know, really start to light things on fire in December for holiday parties and just on random nights when I felt like like having some fun. And it is just like there's nothing that will delight a crowd more than a flaming bowl of punch no matter what's in it i mean people are just spellbound by it and so the the story that i wrote was kind of um you know just just investigating that a little bit and asking why aside from the spectacle of it like why are people so drawn to this as i was and yeah i think it has to do with you know some pretty uh pretty deep-seated beliefs and fears and you know something very primal and you know you mentioned the cafe brulo and and certainly that's not necessarily a winter time or a holiday focused thing that's the kind of thing that you can get year-round at these restaurants in new orleans and i think another you know kind of analog 
much more contemporary are tropical drinks or tiki style drinks that are served, you know, basically, basically garnished with live flames. And and that kind of fits the whole spectacle of that style. And I ask you, because also you have the Sunken Harbor Club uh, there in Brooklyn. So this kind of, you know, fits in with another side of the of the drinks world that you dabble in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, we had some uh, flaming drinks uh, going for Halloween at the Sunken Horror Club, an event that we did for a few nights in uh, Brooklyn. And yeah, it's just, again, just kind of spellbinding. So the thing about the Cafe Brulot and uh, the Dickens Punch is that these are communal drinks, whereas like the tiki drinks can be only for one. And I think it, that that's an important difference because these communal drinks are ones that a crowd will, you know, gather around. And there's sort of an MC, there's like a master of uh, ceremonies, okay? And in my analogy, the, like the master of uh, ceremonies, the bartender or the punch master is taking sort of the role of, uh, of a priestess or a, like a soothsayer almost to light this fire, to assure people that the sun will return to the sky and to comfort them in the fact that they, that they have fire that can shed a light into the darkness. I mean, this is the time of year when the days get shorter, the sun is disappearing from the sky and in the in an ancient uh, culture, you would have to have a story about what was going to happen next, that the sun was going to come back to the sky. Otherwise, I mean, you know, people would be terrified. It really uh, taps into the most primal of fears, which is darkness, just not knowing what's out there. These rituals involving light, Paul, I mean, you see them in every winter solstice celebration in every culture in the Northern Hemisphere. It's like, the candles in the menorah, the fact that Santa Claus uses a chimney instead of a door, even like the French bouche de Noël, the cake that's shaped like a log, that is a that is like a Yule log that'll be thrown on the fire and burned all night. Just everything is about this eternal light and the return of light to the world. And, you know, you'd mentioned the Dickens Punch, and, and that's definitely getting us more kind of into the holiday season, uh, because we're getting much more into like the 19th century and the thinking of the ways that we celebrate the holidays and the whole festive thing. There's a thing I do every year here in Seattle called holiday drinks that don't suck. I've done this for more than 10 years now <laughs> at Anu Opta. We've done it at Rob Roy. We're doing it again at Vinny's this year at her wine bar. And one of the things I do, in addition to relating your, your essay to them, is uh, we, we make a flaming rum punch, and which fits very much in, you know, with kind of the Dickens tradition. Why, why does that one appeal to you in particular? And why does that seem particularly apt at this time of year? The Dickens Punch is a great one because first of all, people love to hear you read the recipe out loud because it's written in uh, Dickens' voice, but it's it's like he's you know talking to a friend, which he was, and he's just so uh, plain spoken. He's obviously an expert. He's obviously done this before and he gives very clear instructions. Um, so I love that about it. And then, you know, you read, you read it and you think you know what it's going to taste like, and, but there's some magic that happens in that bowl where the whole is really greater than the sum of its parts. It really does come together in a magical way. And even like adding the lemon juice, you're like, lemon juice in a hot drink, this is not going to work. It's going to be too acrid. But somehow it just like, there is a weird alchemy that happens and it comes out tasting like, it's like the... It's like the world's best Theraflu. It's almost like a Theraflu was trying to mimic the flavor of a uh, Dickens punch. It's so much better than that. I'm not really doing it uh, justice, but it's like there is really something magical that happens in that uh, drink, and I love it. It's just 
It's very simple and it's irreplaceable. I actually bottle it and sell it at Fort Defiance. You know, Dickens says towards the end of the recipe that if you if you let it cool, it's just as good. Typically with hot drinks, when you make them cold, there's something that happens with the level of sourness and sweetness that, that seems off. But again, it, there is something magical about that drink and it does work cold, I've found. And, you know, in addition to that, are there other kinds of things around the holidays that you look forward to? I mean, for example, there are other kinds of flaming drinks like the like the German version of this, the Feuerzangen Bowl or the, yeah. the, the Fire Tongs Punch, which, you know, if you go on YouTube and just, you know, kind of search for that term, you'll find lots of videos of people making this punch, but also lots of videos of people like setting their tables on fire inadvertently uh, and doing that. Are there other kinds of things around the holidays, flaming drinks that you kind of like come into the rotation sometimes? Um, when now, you know, we're going to experiment this year with doing Cafe Brulot tableside at uh, Gage and Tolner. I don't know if anyone else in New York has attempted this. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. You know, being a guest so many times at Antoine's and, and sort of being on, like, in the audience for that show. And now I get to sort of perform it myself and teach the service how to do it. That is like, that's going to be like a big thrill. And yeah, as far as other... Flaming drinks go, those are sort of the big ones. I mean, you can do some uh, variations on the Dickens Punch formula, but, you know, those are the big ones uh, for me. I've got I've got other drinks that I like to make around uh, Christmas time, but those are sort of the major ones. Believe it or not, Paul, there are a few non-flaming drinks that I also like around the holidays. <laughs> I make one called, I make a mold um, stout uh, where I uh, mull it with ginger and gingerbread spices and fortify it with a dark rum and uh, serve that and call it the black flannel. That's a really nice one too. Uh, sort of a, a play off the old uh, yard of flannel, right, which would right. have been a mold, like a mold ale. Right. Now you've, you've been doing these for a long time at various different establishments. As people are considering doing this, are there some best practices and cautionary tales that they should be aware of, think about as they prepare to yeah. fire up their Smith and Cross? Yeah, I think let's... <laughs> Let's do the caution first, and then I'll tell you like some hints to actually get the fire started correctly. So, you know, obviously always have a fire extinguisher nearby, always. And, and a lid large enough to cover the bowl that you're, that you're burning your punch in. This is like absolutely vital. I've never been in a situation where um, a lid didn't instantly put the fire out if it's a snug uh, fitting lid, no matter how hot it was. So yeah, I would say, make sure you have a lid to your bowl that fits snugly, as well as a fire extinguisher nearby. And also just like have a helper, like uh, don't do it by yourself. Just have someone nearby who knows what you're doing and maybe has one hand on the fire extinguisher. How do you get the fire started? If you're, if you're performing this in front of a group, you do want that flame to get lit the first time. You don't want to be messing around with it. And there is, you know, sort of a secret to that. So the warmer your ingredients are when you apply the, the flame to them, the more likely they are to ignite. So I usually pre-warm the spirits a little bit just to get that uh, going. And then a nice way to do it is have a candle. You can even, if it's a raised uh, bowl, like a cafe uh, brulot bowl, you can put a candle underneath it. That'll also uh, keep things warm. Then you take some of the flammable spirit that's in your bowl in a ladle. You can warm that ladle over the candle flame and then let the candle flame light the contents of, of the ladle once they're very warm. And then uh, let that burn a second because they're going to get hotter as they burn and you want the uh, temperature to rise a little bit. 
And then once it's nice and hot, pour that into the bowl gradually and or just sort of lower the ladle into the bowl and the bowl will will like. And I will also chime in that, you know, when you're doing this, it's really important to be aware of your surroundings. Look out for like low hanging light fixtures. This is always the thing I encourage people to, to look out for because, you know, heat rises. And if you have like a plastic yeah. light fixture, especially, uh, that's not going to be good. Uh, also, you know, put the dog in another room, uh, you know, look out for curtains, <laughs> yeah. things of that nature, you know, just be, be aware of what's around. I've uh, melted my share of uh, plastic uh, tinsel uh, doing this. So yeah, look, look up, look around you, make sure there's nothing that's going to melt or burn. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't do this while standing next to the Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the voice of experience, sometimes hard experience. Well, Sinjin, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and for sharing all of this with us. Uh, happy holidays and flame on. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Be safe out there, everyone. Happy holidays. Head to imbibemagazine.com to read Sinjin Frizzell's 2017 essay on flaming drinks. Just follow the link in this episode's notes to get you there. You can follow Sinjin on Instagram at Sinjin Frizzell. We've got that link for you too. And be sure to check out his Brooklyn bars and restaurants at fortdefiancebrooklyn.com and gageandtallner.com. And one more time, this episode is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, celebrating 25 years and the folks that got them there. Head to titosvodka.com to learn more about the distillery's past, present, and future. And that's it for this episode. We've got all kinds of stories and recipes for you online at imbibemagazine.com to keep you busy this holiday season. Follow Imbibe on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and Twitter to keep up with us on social media, and subscribe to Radio Imbibe on your favorite podcast app to stay on top of future episodes. And if you're not already a subscriber to the print and or digital issues of Imbibe, then here's an opportunity to get a holiday present for yourself and pick up a gift for others by coming on as subscribers today. Just follow the link in this episode's notes and we'll be happy to help you out. I'm Paul Clark. This is Radio Imbibe. Catch you next time.